my biggest video on YouTube ever is the Marvin Harrison to USC rumor video that I knew wasn't going to happen. Dude, that one pissed me off. I knew it wasn't going to happen, but everyone was talking about it. So I was like, this is probably a good chance to capitalize on some views and it has like 33,000 views. No, you did a good job of honestly making it all sound believable. And then as I'm watching, I'm like, dude, I got to go look all this shit up because what he's saying sounds like bullshit, but like he says it with such confidence, like it might actually happen. I had to go reassure myself. No, nothing's happening. No. I'm like, dude's a fucking idiot. What the fuck? <laughs> but hey, man, I made a lot of money off that video, so I was I was thrilled with it. I was like, this is fucking dude, that's awesome. Good. The the uh, Ohio State yeah. fans were swarming it, leaving a bunch of hate comments. I was like, just keep leaving comments, please. This is great. Howdy. It's time to dive in on everything Trey. Uh, this headline says that Kirk Herbstreet, and I quote, "I feel like more is coming." When someone asked him about realignment. He's right about that. That's huge. It is. They know way more than we do. <laughs> oh, yeah, way more. No, he's he's uh, totally right about that. I think he's talking about Florida State and Clemson. That would be my guess. Florida State obviously has said they want out. Very clearly. And I can see why. I mean, you want the money. Yeah. I just can't see, unless it's to the SEC, I can't see Florida State and Clemson going anywhere. No, I can't either. There's been some Big Ten smoke, but that really makes no sense to me at all. The SEC makes perfect sense, both from an academic standpoint and, the, and just like a culture standpoint, too. Yeah, I would agree. I think the only schools that fit with the Big Ten uh, that are still out there right now would probably be Cal and Stanford. But I don't think they really want to go out west any further. They already have California with USC and UCLA. Yeah. And now they have the entire West Coast with Oregon and Washington. So why would you want to go back for Cal and Stanford, especially Cal? That isn't as good academic right. school as Stanford, and they do not care about football whatsoever at all. Right. But but I would think from a recruiting standpoint, Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State would be vying to try to get some of that Florida and Georgia and the Carolinas. They want to recruit down there, so they need to find a school somewhere down in the southeast that can pull some of those recruits and some of that TV money into the Big Ten because that's the only part they don't have right now. That's very true. I mean, doesn't North Carolina make sense to you, though, like from an academic standpoint? And it's sort of in the southeast, like not as far as like Clemson or Florida State, but still UNC and maybe even NC State kind of feel like I would say even more so uh, Virginia. Yeah, I was going to say Virginia maybe for feel, sure. Yeah, those feel like Big Ten schools. They fit in with what is now Michigan, Ohio State. You didn't think like Northwestern and UCLA and USC, which is so weird to say, but they fit in with that way, way better than like Miami and Florida state. I can see them playing Bama and Texas every year. Yeah. It seems right to me. No, it totally does. I mean, the one thing that, I, I mean, it makes sense to me, but a lot of people say like, you need to add two more juggernaut schools. I don't really see it that way from a football point of view. Like, do you really want to add Florida State and Clemson and make the conference that much more impossible? I mean, Virginia is not a big-time football program, but they're good at everything else. I just don't think you need to add another juggernaut to the conference. I mean, it's already stacked as it is. I think I think I agree with you when it comes to Clemson because Clemson does not necessarily bring in a lot of money outside of just their Division One very popular football program. They're not necessarily in like a big TV market or anything. Yeah, no kidding. Florida State, that's different. Miami, maybe. 
uh, you start looking at UNC and Virginia, they are in some bigger TV markets as well. So that kind of has some potential. But I do agree with you from just a football perspective, you have a really strong conference right now with four teams out east, four teams out west who are going to be vying for positions to try to get into this new 12-team playoff every single year. Do you really want to dilute that even more? Exactly. And just for the record, UCLA is not getting into the playoff ever. Well, (laughs) (laughs) not a chance. Not a chance in hell. I I look at it. I see if they took four teams from the Big Ten every year, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing unless things change majorly, Ohio State, Michigan, and USC are probably in every single year for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. And that fourth team is probably going to be a fight between Wisconsin, Oregon, Washington, Iowa, Penn State. I would say maybe once in a while throw in like a Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota Mm -hmm. or Nebraska or Iowa. Yeah, you'll always have one of those other teams pop up, just like you have in the old Big Ten. Right. Where every once in a while, one of those old West teams pops up. It's going to be weird now. It's going to be real hard for some of those teams to get their make their way up. But, I mean, man, Big Ten championship game, talking USC and Ohio State would be crazy. That's pretty much going to be a playoff game. Like, that'll be more entertaining than a lot of the playoff games are going to be, especially now that we're at 12. I mean, the conference championship, both in the SEC and the Big Ten, is just going to be ridiculous every year. 100%. It almost feels like both those teams should get an automatic bid. But then at that point, why even play the championship game? You're just risking getting injured. You're another game you could potentially lose. And, you know, say Ohio State and Michigan are playing one week. And Ohio State just barely squeaks by a win against Michigan. You got the same thing. USC barely squeaks out a win against UCLA in these big rivalry games. Mm -hmm. And the next weekend, they have to go play each other for – a game to see who gets the number two spot versus who gets the number eight spot. Yeah. It's like, well, what's the say, difference? Yeah. Or alternatively don't play it. And both teams are just sitting at three and four. I think they'd rather just sit at three and four. Especially because that game is so, going to be a war. Just that. Yeah. It's going to be just a complete battle. Unless you're playing for something like you're playing for the right to get a buy. It would have to be that. It would have to be that. There's no other way Which you in the new model. If things change and it really does go down to a power four and each champion just gets a buy no matter what, I'm cool with it. I didn't like the buys the first time, so I'm like, well, it's stupid. It just means the SEC is going to get a buy every single time. And especially when you had USC and UCLA in the Pac-12, as a USC fan, you were probably looking at going, well, we're never getting a buy. Because there was no respect for the Pac-12. No. It was built for the SEC, and I hated that. I agree with that. No, it totally was, 100%. I mean, they're playing, what, eight conference games as as opposed to nine that every other conference is playing, aside from the ACC. They're playing Division II schools in November. I mean, it's it's completely stacked in in their favor. Yeah, when Alabama plays the Citadel every year. Oh, or Mercer or Eastern Kentucky Tech. It's just ridiculous. If I was the Big Ten... Going into negotiations, you hold so much more weight now in that CFP room. I would almost be willing to say, if you want to have a legitimate playoff, 
where, you know, Big Ten champions against SEC champions if we go to Super Conference too at some point because part of me thinks by next end of next year, maybe 2026 when all this starts rolling into the new system, is the ACC going to survive if Florida State and Clemson and Miami want to leave? No. Probably not. No, yeah. What do they have left? Pitt? <laughs> Jesus. Pitt doesn't even fit in the ACC. No, it really big, doesn't. Uh, big 12 school. Should have been a Big 12 school in West Virginia went, but – yeah, they they rejected them because of their ac- academic prowess or their or lack thereof, I should say. But they took in Louisville, <laughs> so it doesn't really make sense. But sure. Yeah. I don't know. This whole realignment stuff is weird, but extremely. So many people are saying they think it's bad for the sport because you're getting rid of tradition, you're getting rid of rivalries. But I disagree. I think if anything, it's growing new traditions and it's forming better rivalries. You're 100% right. I mean, who... Oregon, Oregon State was boring. I don't know about that. As a West Coast guy myself, I don't know about that. But... Was it ever the same as... I mean, obviously, we're not going to put it up there. Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, no, USC and UCLA. Those are are real... Or even, I mean, USC and Notre Dame. I wouldn't put it up there with any of those. No, not even close. But it's on rivalry weekend. No, I agree with that. So I look at it and I go... Washington and Oregon, that's going to be... They're actually huge rivals. Yeah, they they hate each other more than Oregon hates Oregon State. So what you're doing is you're making that rivalry mean more now. Yep. You're locking that in. You're saying, we're going to drive this one home, and we're just going to make this one very, very valuable. I like that. No, I I love it. As as an Ohio State fan, our only other rival... I mean, yeah, Penn State, but it's technically not a rival. It's just we've beaten each other and ruined a couple of seasons over the past 20 years. Right. But, I mean, they only joined the Big Ten, what, in like 1991 or something? Mm-hmm. So there just hasn't been that tradition there yet. Our only other rival would be Illinois. Oh, the Illibuck. Yeah. I could care less. I don't care about the Turtle. <laughs> I mean, we want to win the game, but we don't even play them every year. No, yeah. I want to beat Michigan. And I think driving that kind of culture in college sports is the only way that some of these top schools looking forward, if we do go to super conferences or just three or four major conferences for the playoff, we need some of those big, big rivalry games to really stoke the flame where people are going to lose interest. You already see it. Absolutely. Some of those games just don't mean anything anymore and people aren't watching. No, you're hundred percent right. And that's backed up by numbers too. That's not just us saying it. It's true. Yeah. Right. Like, don't get me wrong. Ohio State, Michigan, more viewers than ever. The college football playoff, great for numbers. Some of the most watched championships in history. However, those stupid games that are just on streaming now that no one cares about. Because, yeah, whoever's playing the Citadel or Mercer Mm -hmm. or, I mean, unless you're playing North Dakota State, no one respects you playing a Division I school. That's true. They want those AA games. And even Group of Five. Some people are like, pfft. BYU, who cares? Right. No, you're right. I think we got to lean into that. Really get – I like it. I like Washington and Oregon going to the Big Ten, not just because they're getting a paycheck, but I think it is great for the sport going forward. That's probably – most people wouldn't agree with that. Well, I completely agree with it. I mean, USC played Washington State last year in the Coliseum, and L.A. traffic's really, really bad. It was an earlier kick, but just there was no one there. Like, the Coliseum was empty, and the team was rolling, too. 
So that tells you something. Like the UCLA game and the Notre Dame game later in the year were like sold out. Like it was a huge event. Like no one yeah. wants to see Washington State. Sorry, Oregon State, but no one wants to see Oregon State. No one wants to see Cal. Like we want to see Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Penn State. Not these so random. I think it was games. like twenty thirteen, maybe. Ohio State played Cal. Yeah, I remember in that. In California. Yeah, yeah. The entire stadium was red. Yep. Literally, at the end of the game, you could hear the OHIO going around the stadium. <laughs> they're in another team stadium. Across and the country. You can hear it over the TV. Yeah, like, so, I don't know. Maybe Stanford, a little, just because they do, I guess, have some history and do bring in revenue. But you're right. Those other three left in the pack four. They don't really add anything, no. I I know they are Division One football, and the Pac-12 has had a lot of history and always had the you know what fans they do have for some of those schools like Oregon State. All power to you. You are great fans for that school, but there's only so many of you. That's the way I see it. No, it's true. I mean, Cal. We can't even talk about Cal. I mean, their their fans are just they don't exist. I mean, they really don't. Oregon State's fans, they're wild, but yeah. it's not like Wisconsin. It's not like Minnesota. It's not like Iowa. It's not like Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State or Michigan State, for that matter. I mean, it goes on and on in the Big Ten. And now you bring in the four biggest brands in the Pac-12. I mean, the conference schedule is going to be insane. I think this is huge, for mostly for USC. Not just because, again, like I said, not just because of the money, which, yes, we all know the TV deals. They're, what, they're set up to be making on average, like 70 million over the next 10 years or something like that every year mm-hmm. is the whole, how it, I don't, someone explained it to me. They start at 30 and get one extra million every year. That's just Oregon and Washington. a new contract. Oh, so USC is a full member. And UCLA. Yeah. Full members. That's even bigger for them. Mm-hmm. But even outside of the money, that Pac-12 late night thing, never going to work. After dark. The Yeah. That after dark thing was... That was never going to work. There's not enough viewership on the West Coast. Most of the West Coast fans are still Central Time and Eastern Time. It's so true. putting them out there at midnight is losing viewership. Oh, it's horrible. Being being an SC fan, all of our 1030 kicks here, I'm up till 2. I mean, it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it. And on top of that, now I don't know if this is true because I don't, I hadn't watched enough games. I don't stay up late to watch the Pac-12. However, I had heard that relative to past tradition over the past five to ten years, USC in-game viewership, like at the Coliseum, and especially when they travel, has dwindled. Is that true? Of course, and there is a two-word answer as to why that happened, and it's Clay Helton. He really takes care of the kids. Like He's a wonderful human, but... My God, he is the worst football coach USC has ever had, ever, in its history. I mean, he – oh, I hate saying this because he's such a nice guy, but he pretty much killed the program. Lincoln Riley to USC was a power move for both him and the school. Just wow. The fact that we landed Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams is a miracle. I mean, oh, people just stopped caring. I mean, it was just horrible. Pulling him from Oklahoma? That's <laughs> wild. That was great. 
That was great. Their fan base still hasn't let that go either. It's just uh, they're still very upset about it, which I get. But you know, at the same time, I mean, Venerables is a, <laughs> not the same at all. No, he's not. He's incompetent. But they like to say he's a good head coach, even though he hasn't proven that ever. But yeah, I was listening to Greg McElroy the. Uh, that might have been today, actually. Wow, I can't keep my day straight. But I'm listening to Greg McElroy, and he's talking about, well, I really like the guy. I want to get behind him. I really want to root for Oklahoma this year. No, I, he's not a head coach. He's not. He's a great coordinator. He was a great defensive coordinator. He's great at recruiting, and that's where it stops. Literally. He's not Nick Saban. He's not some defensive guru who's going to go out and form an entire establishment around this ideology it's not the same no he's not one of those guys he's not a lincoln riley or a nick saban or a ryan day i mean i don't i don't think ryan day deserves to be up there yet I do. but I, you know a lot of people would so here's my thing until he can prove he can consistently do one of three things every year and that's beat michigan win a big 10 championship or win i'll say win what used to be in New Year's Six. So it was a win a playoff game. Now. Right. If you can do one of those three things every single year, you're on par with Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer and some of the great Ohio State coaches. If not, you start looking like Cooper. Yeah. You, no, I get that. You want to win two games against Michigan? 10, 2, and 1? That Come on, man. You can't do that at Ohio State. No, I know. Trust <laughs> Being around here, I've heard that. Plenty. It's just when I watch his offenses, I mean, the amount he got out of CJ, because CJ Stroud is a great thrower of the football. He's from California, so I, I knew of him. I mean, he's not that uber talented a guy. Like, he's not like a Justin Fields where he's an all world athlete. He's not like Cardell Jones where he can sling at 90 yards. I mean, he just makes everything look so easy. He's going to get destroyed this first couple of years. He in had NFL, no blocking in that first game. He literally was running if, for his life every play. If he can kind of get like Joe Burrow was not great his first year. He had a lot of learning to do. Yes, he did. But after that, once he learned to sit in the pocket and learned how to find protection and got a good offensive line around him, look what he can do. I think that CJ Stroud is very similar. He He can move. You know, maybe he could be kind of like an Aaron Rodgers kind of quarterback. He can get out, scramble, extend a play. But he's one of the best pure passers that college football has had in probably going way back. I mean, before Cam Newton, probably. He's he's incredible. But you're right. When it comes to college, guys like Caleb Williams, Hendon Hooker, who can move like that, you're going to dominate. Yeah, which makes what Ryan Day – I mean, I I just think Ryan Day is a genius on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I know his teams aren't as physical as Georgia or Alabama. I mean, USC has that same issue until we prove it otherwise. But I don't know. I mean, I saw a bunch of – I'm curious to hear where you are on this. I heard a lot of Ohio State people saying they want Ryan Day fired if he doesn't win the Michigan game this year regardless of what happens. Do you fall in that group or no? Yes and no. So I think it's very complicated. It starts with you have to you have to produce something. Like I said, you have to do one of those three things. If you don't beat Michigan this year and you don't get into the Big Ten Championship because you lost to them, you better hope you win a national championship. Right. Because if you fall short on all three of those things, 
for three years straight, I, I can't get behind that. I just, I mean, imagine at USC, if you lost to UCLA, didn't even get to a playoff game and didn't even play for a Pac-12 championship for three or four straight years. Yeah, no, you, you should be done. Yeah. Especially at any of these top schools, Ohio State, Michigan, like the fact that Jim Harbaugh stayed as long as he did after getting dominated. That's true. Was incredible. Yeah, true. He got so lucky because at USC, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State. Alabama, Florida, these schools will cut you if you aren't winning rivalry games or at least winning championships in place of that. I mean, I just think that that's the standard at a school like that. It is different though. Like Ohio State, Michigan, I know the Auburn, Alabama people like to say they're, they have the most intense game of the year. It's not like being around here. Ohio State, Michigan is the next level in that regard of any game. Like the Ohio State fans view that in a different way than any other fan base views any game. I mean, it's crazy. So there is more on that. I think it's simple. Ask any Alabama fan if they would rather win a national championship or beat Auburn. Exactly. They'll take a national championship every single year. I bet Ohio State fans are 50-50. That's how much they hate Michigan. Yeah. No, they really they now, really do. If you give them a second to stop and think about it, they go, yeah, we should take the national championship. But – the first gut reaction from anyone who's ever been in Columbus, grown up an Ohio State fan, gone to Ohio State, it, you just hate Michigan. Yeah. You're bred to hate them. That's clear. <laughs> and you don't see that in almost any other sport. And the viewership numbers should tell you that. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure Ohio State, Michigan got like 18 million this last year. Viewers? Ohio State and Michigan has been the most viewed game I believe not even regular season, just most viewed game period every year for like the past five years. And by a lot. And then it goes college football playoff championship. Which is crazy just to think about that for a second. I mean, Alabama that's wild. and Auburn is like number nine. That's wild. <laughs> Ohio State and Penn State gets more viewership than some bowl games. That's 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 so, true. The Big Ten viewership is crazy. That's what I'm saying with USC and Oregon. And Washington, specifically those three, with them coming into the Big Ten, viewership is going to skyrocket. Even more, yeah. Especially with those built-up rivalry games now. Like, USC and Ohio State are probably going to, maybe not bitter rivals, but that's definitely going to be a big game. They're going to ruin each other's seasons once in a while, and people are going to start tuning in for it. Of course. I mean, we have a crazy history with Ohio State. Just the amount of times we played yeah. in Rose Bowls and stuff. And we had the home and home in 08 yeah. and 09. And then the Cotton Bowl in 2017. Let's not talk about that. Yep. Yep. A beautiful game. That was not a, <laughs> that was not a beautiful game. Poor Sam Darnold. He couldn't even stand in the pocket. He was just getting murdered the entire game. Poor guy. That was one of the, the best Ohio State defenses ever. So. Literally. He had no yeah. chance. Yeah. That was horrible. No, that was that was that was that was terrible. Like the first drive, you you could just tell, like, oh, we can't block these guys. Like Sam Darnold is going to get killed, and he played his heart out. Those games like that from the beginning, like Ohio State's had a few of those uh, two years ago against Michigan. You could tell first drive, we're like, oh, they're owning the line of scrimmage. It's over. Oh, the game in Ann Arbor. Uh, yeah, yeah, that one, yeah, because Aiden Hutchinson was just going off. 
It wasn't even just him. It was Jabo too. Because I honestly thought that he was a little bit underrated in that game. They hyped him up, and he didn't do a ton. He did get some pressure, and he got in there and made some, you know, made some passes tough a few times, but he didn't go crazy. It was the entire defensive line for Michigan to me just owned it, and their offensive line. Oh my god, Maulers. they'd snap the ball and be five yards off the ball already. Yeah, they're yeah. It they was got very upsetting as an Ohio State fan. <laughs> that was weird for but, like on an outside point of view because I had just gotten so used to all right, Ohio State's going to throw for five hundred yards, and they're going to get like three long touchdown runs too, and then just the way that Michigan like slowly just beat them down. It was so weird. I mean, like an Urban Meyer team. That would never happen. You know what I mean? Well, like it was just weird he to did see. Did it against Michigan State one year, taking Zeke out. But no, so I will say the thing that I think a lot of Ohio State fans dislike about Ryan Day is Urban Meyer would go win, uh, you know, all the big games, and he'd lose a stupid one against Purdue. Oh yeah, I remember that one. It seems like Ryan Day never loses a stupid game. But he can't win the big ones. I mean, he's only lost the big ones. Yeah, but that's huge. No, 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 I know. At a school who has a history and a recent history of winning those big rivalry games, winning big non-conference games, winning huge bowl games and conference championships and national championships – to come out and say, well, we're going to go 11 and one this year, but we're not going to win any championships. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. No, I hear you. For most schools, that's good, but not at those. like you have those five or six blue blood schools around the country. Like USC is one of those. Yeah. I think there was a couple down years there, but with Lincoln Riley in there now, I fully expect USC it, a two loss season would be bad. No, you're right about that. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Barring like massive injury. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because who would the two losses be to? Because you're not going to play every single team in the Big Ten every year, and I really doubt they're going to have a year where they're like, yeah, you play Penn State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Michigan all back-to-back in November. They're not (laughs) – I really hope they don't do that because then the next year is going to look like trash. Yeah. So your two losses would be to if you you know oh well we lost to Michigan and Penn State this year and both of them are in the playoff and we got in too but that would be a quote unquote bad year cuz you had to get in at like 12 or something yeah i mean you should see our schedule for next year i mean they're going to change it now probably because of the additions of Oregon and Washington but i mean we start the year with LSU we have Notre Dame we play that's a huge game Michigan Penn State Wisconsin Iowa Forget who else. So UCLA, obviously. Is USC going to continue to play Notre Dame every year? Uh, we better. I mean, I I don't know why they don't just join the Big Ten. So I I don't know if you know this, but I avidly hate Notre Dame above all else. Good and. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, you probably love that. Oh, I do. I do. Uh, but. I I don't understand what their logic is here. So they're an ACC member who doesn't want the ACC to expand. If the ACC doesn't expand and it collapses, you get left out because now there's two major conferences. 
are you going to join the Big Ten or do you want to stay independent? I'm hoping they stay independent, make that stupid call, and someday when we go to two super conferences, Notre Dame's on the outside looking in because <laughs> they wanted to stay independent so bad. Man, you do hate them. I don't. I don't blame you. They're very hateable. They're very hateable. Yeah, and we both play them this year too. Yeah. Oh my. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bit nervous about playing them. I would just be after too. seeing what they did last year, and now. I mean, that was a like a basically a freshman coach. They have a quarterback too now. They got a legit quarterback. I mean. I've yeah. done a bunch of film study on Sam Hartman. I mean, he's a monster. He's a killer. He really is. I'm yeah. I'm a little nervous about them. I'm nervous about Notre Dame and Michigan this year, and it's not a good feeling. <laughs> Tell me about the quarterbacks at, at Ohio State. I mean, who's who's going to start, and what are we looking at? So from what I've heard, it's still a little bit of a toss up. Um, but I mean, it's between Devin Brown and I forget the other kid's name, Kyle McCord, Kyle McCord. But, that's right. Um, basically they haven't fully announced it yet, but it looks like this year, Kyle McCord's going to be the starter just because he's got more experience, but starting next year, Brown is going to be like the next CJ Stroud kind of guy. Like he has such, so much upside, so much potential. He's just too young right now. So Maybe he just gets some experience this year behind McCord. We have kind of a little bit of a rebuilding year at quarterback. But when you've got guys like Harrison out there, do you really call it rebuilding? Right. The guy you know can win the games this year. Try to get leads on teams like Rutgers and Maryland and put that back up in there. So that's the thing we didn't do last year. C.J. Stroud played till there was two minutes left in the fourth quarter when we were up by 42. Trying to win that Heisman. With some of these high-powered offenses like that. You don't benefit from being in the fourth quarter, I think, anymore. That's true. You're going to get 200 yards no matter what. Just come out in the third quarter. I would, I've been saying that about Caleb Williams for this year, just for injury alone. Like, please, God. After what went down last year, yeah, I would say this year, definitely he needs to be real careful. That was horrible. As soon as that happened in the Pac-12 title against Utah, I mean, just – Everything changed because we were beating them down. I mean, Caleb was running all over the place, doing crazy shit, and then just it fell apart. Like the team, like the yeah. defense was hanging on by a thread as it was. That they they just lost all confidence. So when I watched that game, I was watching it as an Ohio State fan. I'm like, I just need certain teams to lose. Oh yeah, so that Ohio State can get in. Yeah, you're welcome for the for the yeah right. But so so to you, like how did that how did that go? Well, I mean, at the start of the year, like the defense was really, really good. We were healthy. I mean, the team had zero depth on that side of the ball. When Lincoln came in, he attacked the transfer portal and he fixed the offense completely. I mean, we had a top three offense, or if not like top two. So the offense was insane. It was great. But the defense, A, there's only so much you can do in one year. And B, we had a lot of holdovers from the previous coach playing for us. I mean, at one point, we had 270-pound defensive tackles lining up in there. Our linebackers had casts on their hands because they were broken. Ha- they had broken hands, but there was no one to fill in for them. I mean, the depth was, not, yeah. was non-existent. And then 
Caleb was really carrying us the entire way, and the offensive line was great as well. But so in that Pac-12 championship game, Caleb is going off, he's doing his thing, and then he tears his hamstring. And from that moment on, the game was over. We were up, I think, 21 to 7 when that happened and uh, just never recovered. The defense just lost confidence. I mean, people like to blame Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, who I'm sure you know because he was at Ohio State. But, I mean, the guys were in the right positions all game. They were right there to make the tackles, and they just – some of the worst technique I've ever seen. Yeah, it was just a collapse. It was a lack of confidence. Um, yeah, without Caleb there fully, the team just kind of fell apart. Yeah. I will say on your end, so all season long, I was watching the obvious. I'm watching Ohio State. I'm watching Alabama. I'm watching Tennessee. Because these are the teams, one, not just high up in the ranking, and usually you're going to see the Heisman come from one of the top 10 teams usually just because they get more attention. And if you got a really good quarterback or running back, you're probably winning games. But to me, I, I never saw um, Caleb Williams as a guy who was going to win the Heisman. I was like, oh, I see him once in a while on some highlights. He's good. And then I sat down and watched him at the end of the season there. And I, I believe I was watching a game with my dad. And I looked at him and I said, unless somehow, th- I, I mean, they're just lost their minds. This guy has to win the Heisman. Yeah. The stuff he was doing, the way he was extending plays, as many yards as uh, CJ was throwing for, and as electric as Bryce Young looked after that Tennessee game. He was horrible in the Tennessee game, but after that, Mm. he was electric. And Hendon Hooker, yeah, he got injured. He probably would have won it had he not got injured, I would think. But then I went and watched Caleb Williams, and I was like, oh, no, it's not even close. This guy needs to win. Like, he is incredible at extending plays and incredible at making plays out of nothing. I've never seen anything like it other than maybe like Michael Vick. It's like Johnny Manziel, but more polished and more powerful is how I described it. Like. Oh, definitely more powerful. Like, it's crazy. Like, his lower half is so thick. He breaks tackles. He he throws def- defensive linemen down like they're children. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he looks he, like a running back. Oh, he does. Just ha- like like a high school running back, like a high school halfback who's like, hey, coach, I can throw the ball too if you want me to. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. <laughs> it really is crazy. But he really can. He can really throw the ball. I was amazed. Um, like he, again, he makes me think of like Aaron Rodgers. I was saying how C.J. Stroud could kind of be like that, but Caleb Williams will. Definitely in the NFL, take on that role Aaron Rodgers used to be, where you would see him scramble, extend a play, and running, you know, backside across the field, like everyone says not to, along the sideline, just throw this absolute dime 30 yards down the field. But Caleb Williams can do that. No, you're you're right. And it's funny you say Aaron Rodgers, because that's who he modeled his game after. That's what he said. So I didn't even know that, but it looks like it to me. Yeah, you know, and the sidearm throws and yeah, man. I mean, it's just, it's like nothing it's I've seen. The, what, what I think of uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think of 
not necessarily mobility, but the guy who can shift and move and run and get out of the pocket, but he's still looking downfield. Always. He's got that like prairie dog look on his head where he's running, but he's still looking around. I see Caleb Williams doing that, and it looks the same. No, it totally does. Yeah, so, no. It's interesting to know that he modeled his game after him because I didn't know that, but it 100% looks like it. No, it, it really does. I mean, there's some Aaron Rodgers. There's some Matt Stafford. There's some Mahomes. I mean, people like to say Mahomes. I think that's just because they have the same body language and the same mannerisms, and they jog off the field the same way. But he he reminds me a little bit more of Aaron. I don't think there's anyone like Mahomes because it seems like Mahomes is doing everything – that a quarterback coach or a quarterback trainer would tell you not to do. And it works. It works. <laughs> Very well. I would th- always think that in the NFL, it'd be the opposite. You know, in college, maybe you can get away with it, but you get to the NFL, you got a 250 pound linebacker who's chasing you down, who can run a four or five. You got to listen to your coaches. Or you're going to die, but not with him. No. He figures it out somehow. I don't know how I honestly don't. I mean, I'm just looking at Caleb's numbers right now. I mean, I just I think I forgot what he did last year. I mean, he had 52 total touchdowns and only five picks and 4,500 yards passing, almost a 90 quarterback rating. I mean, that's just... Yeah, that's wild. That's insane. That's just crazy. Yeah, that is nuts. What a beast. What a beast. He said, what, 50, 52 and four or something? And five, yeah. Oh, my God. Wild. I mean that that and that was year one at USC with a makeshift roster. We didn't play the best defenses in the in the world. That is a factor. But I mean when 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 we did play good defenses like Notre Dame and Utah, I mean that first Utah game was Caleb's best game of the year, even though we lost. That had a lot more to do with the defense. But yeah. I mean, he really steps up in those big moments and he just he doesn't fear anybody. I mean, he's like nothing I've seen. Utah last year, I've, on any given play, they could burn you, but they weren't necessarily a threat on every play, it felt like. Utah? Like if you get Cam Rising in the right... Yeah, if you get Cam Rising in the right situation, he was going to burn you. But, like you said, USC's defense let him do it. Literally let him. The tight end, um, <laughs> Kincaid, I think he finished with 17 catches against us, 16 or 17, and... Uh, Grinch, one of his really bad moments from last year, he refused to do, to like do anything about it. We have a safety named Kalen Bullock, who PFF says is either the best or second best safety in the country. He's six three. He's pretty skinny, but he can man up with people, and he just yeah. wouldn't bring him down to man him up, which I think would have would have solved that issue. Yeah, so we just kind of sat back and let him kill us all game. It was it was a nightmare, <laughs> honestly. You know, it's weird talking to you now. It seems like Ohio State and USC actually have very similar flaws. Oh, extremely. Is that yeah. we've got these amazing high-powered offenses behind these, like, you know, all-star, maybe some of the best all-time in their position in Marvin Harrison Jr. and Caleb Williams. And then you look at our defenses, and it's like, okay, well, we recruited well. We've got good players out there with the physiques, who can run, who can play, but it's bad play calling and we're in bad positioning and we can't execute on defense and we do stupid things like, so I've been talking with other Ohio State fans and we can't figure out what they did here, but at the end of the Michigan game, when we were still kind of in it, we were really only down by like, I think we were down by 14, Um, we were trying to get the ball back, we pulled our safety, we're running a one deep, 
and we pulled our safety up within eight yards of the ball. And from behind the offensive line, you could see the end zone 80 yards down the field. Oh, I know. And immediately, as soon as I saw it, I was like, no, what are we doing? I see the hole. You think Michigan doesn't? And then sure enough, uh, Donovan Edwards or whatever it was, boom, right down the right sideline. I'm like, there, it's come on, guys. What are you doing? And it sounds like USC has basically the same issue is like you're scoring all these points, but you can't stop the other team. No, it's it's extremely similar. I mean, the only thing that I would say was different is that when you looked at I hate saying this about our guys from last year because they are Trojans and I love them, but they look like they should be at like Boise State, not even Boise State, like at Wyoming, (laughs) like skinny, not athletic, just getting blasted off the ball by everyone they play. I mean, it's just a oh, like the Tulane game. I'm not sure if you watched that or not. That was the I didn't watch it, worst defensive performance I've ever seen from any team ever. It was pathetic. I mean, really? it was just the most embarrassing. Like I've never been embarrassed to be a USC fan. On that day, I was embarrassed. It was horrible. Wow. I mean, we and we were up by like 14 or 15 with like three minutes left too, and we still lost. Here's the one thing you guys have that this is another thing you you mentioned about Ryan Day. Uh, Should he be on the hot seat or not? I give him a little bit of slack because it didn't take long for him to listen to what people were saying with. So he was I don't know how much you know about this. He was calling his own plays for the past like three, four years. Mm -hmm. And you could tell because there'd be certain situations where we would need a game winning drive and they're staring to the sideline, and there's no play call. Uh-huh. Or we just come back off a, you know, a big interception or something, no play call. Why? Because there's no one up in the booth calling plays. we got our head coach down on the field trying to you know, be part of the team and still call a play. But he said this year he's going to let Brian Hartline, the wide receiver coach, be co-offensive coordinator and uh, assistant play caller now. Oh, and really? he's going to be the one up in the booth mostly calling the plays. So I got to give the guy a little bit of slack because he is making changes. Right. And maybe it doesn't work out in the first year. Maybe we need to give it another year and see if it works. Because I said the same thing about the defense. We got the guy from Oklahoma State. Knowles. And yeah. Um, yeah. I can't think of names today. Jim Knowles. But yeah. Knowles. Jim Knowles. There you go. You're, you sound like a better Ohio State fan than I do right now. <laughs> but so we get Knowles in, and immediately he's talking about scheme, 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 and he's got this jack position and all this stuff. I'm like, can we just start tackling again? Because we haven't done that in about 10 years. And he comes in, and yeah, sure enough, he's all about the scheme, and we lose to Michigan. Why? Because we can't play defense in the second half. Yeah. But then he comes out as well and he says, well, I'm going to change some things. I was trying to force my system on these guys. I need to do the opposite. And you know, build a system around them. And I'm like, okay, you're saying all the right things. Will it happen this next year? I don't know. Interesting. I didn't know that about Brian Hartline, actually. Yeah, he, he'll be calling plays this year, or at least, you know, have a bigger say, a bigger role in calling the plays. Um, and he is, he's like passing game coordinator or something. So it's a lot of titles. It'll His be interesting. resume is going to look good. <laughs> I'm afraid because he's doing such a good job recruiting. I know. And if he is a good coordinator, he'll only be here for a year or two. 
Absolutely. I mean, he was, there were rumors about him getting interviews for head coaching jobs this last year. I wouldn't be too surprised. Cincinnati needed someone. Yeah, He'd that's be a good guy. Yeah, that's who they were. T- he was supposedly talking to. Yeah, I don't know who did Cincinnati even end up with. They hired. Um, I am completely blanking. I should know this. I'm ashamed. Let's see. Well, I should know it. Yeah, you're the uh, Ohio guy. Yeah. Scott Satterfield. That's right. Okay. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Now. All right. Louisville. Which, speaking of uh <laughs> speaking of the Cincinnati coaches, Luke Fickle, um, I think his career is over. Why do you say that? So I know this was like ten years ago, but we already saw what he could do as a head coach at a power five school, and it wasn't good. And I think going to Wisconsin and trying to rebuild a team that has a bunch of history and what the expectations are going to be for him now. They're going to give him one or two years and expect him to start playing really good and expect him to start winning some games and maybe getting into playoffs and winning Big Ten championships. But he's got to go through right now Ohio State and Michigan and maybe a Penn State or a Michigan State if they ever have a good year. And then in a couple years – if you can do that, try adding Oregon, Washington, and USC to that schedule. Suddenly, he has a huge task in front of him. If he stays at Cincinnati, he joins a Power 5 conference or Power 4 conference now, and he's one of the big dogs in his conference. Yeah, He could learn the ropes at a school he already knows he can produce at. I think he should have stayed. I don't know if he should have stayed. I just don't agree with some of the direction he's taking that program like i'm, I'm not sure if you know or not but they're gonna run the air raid on, no, on offense at all oh come on like you play wisconsin? in wisconsin like a team that has always been known for their running game big and it's a big part of where you play like do you, do you remember that game from last year when ohio state went to northwestern and the wind was crazy and they couldn't throw the ball yes like yes there's weather like that in wisconsin all the time it snows. Well, and it's the recruiting pool you have too. When you're talking about Iowa, Nebraska, Great North point. Dakota, Great Minnesota, point. it's farm boys. Great point. What are you going to do with a 300-pound white boy? He's not catching the ball. No, he's not. <laughs> he's blocking. That's right. That's why you always see Wisconsin and Iowa with these great running games. Air raid offense, come on. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it really doesn't. I don't like it. And I agree with your it's point too. Upsetting. Like they're gonna, I don't think they're gonna do very well in this new Big Ten. They're not on the level that they think they are. Their fans, you're not Ohio State. No. You're not USC. You're not Michigan. You're not Penn State. I mean, even in the old West, the old Big Ten West, that was horrible. Yeah, Nebraska and Minnesota. Yeah, were the only two pulling in numbers even close to what Michigan State and you know Purdue could pull in. And those aren't, we're not talking about Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State yet. No. And yeah, you're going to add in Washington and USC. Wisconsin's not going to do good in this new Big Ten unless they find a way to, I think, sell who they are. Like you have all these high powered offenses USC, Ohio State, Penn State. They throw the ball like crazy, they've got all these super recruits. 
What did Michigan have to do to squeak in there? They said, we're a run team now. Yeah. Yeah. I think Wisconsin should do the same thing and they'll probably be even better at it than Michigan is. I know because it's, it's, it's in their DNA. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. That's, I think this is going to be the end of his career and he's just going to go back to being like a defensive coordinator or something because he's not going to last at Wisconsin. No, I, and especially if their expectations are playoffs. Yeah. He's definitely not going to last at Wisconsin. I don't know. Playoffs might've been a, a bit of a ambitious stretch for me to try to put out there. No, that's probably what but they it think. Is Wisconsin. And I think the I think the expectations are high. I think the expectations are that even if you want to say maybe what one in every three or four years, you're at least playing for a Big Ten championship. And with the new twelve team model, you're finding a way into the playoffs once in a while. But that's not going to happen if he wants to run an air raid offense. No, not in not in Madison, Wisconsin. That doesn't make any sense. Really not in doesn't. Madison, Wisconsin, and not against teams who can do it, but better. And way better. Not even just a little bit better. Like, astronomically better. better. Oregon, USC, and Ohio State have some of three of the best passing games year in and year out. Why do you think you're going to try to beat them at their own game? And Washington, I don't get too. It. I mean, Washington... Kate, I didn't even think about Washington. I forgot about them for a second. Their pass game is nasty with Kalen DeBoer. Yeah. I mean, people forget Washington's actually won a national title, unlike Oregon, who's never won anything ever. That's what the zero on the helmet is. Washington is a for. bigger school for sure. For, for, in terms of the Big Ten getting, like, you know, a name brand, Washington was a bigger score than Oregon. Of course. Oregon's never I won think. a damn thing. Washington's a bigger TV market, bigger school, more money. And yeah, better history, maybe not as of like very recently because, you know, Oregon's played for more championships. But like you said, Washington's actually won. Unlike Oregon, big zero on their helmet, zero titles. And in the playoff era, I think Oregon only played for one playoff, right? Yeah, and they got didn't they got their ass beat by Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> Zeke ran wild. Um, oh, my God. That was one of the best seasons to watch as an Ohio State fan. One, just because of the turnaround from what the beginning of the season looked like. And I don't know how much you know about, like, uh, uh, what was his name? Costa Cara George. What? I don't know if you've heard that story. No. So <clears throat> there was a walk-on. He was also a wrestler, and he was actually pretty good at wrestling. Uh -huh. But he walked onto the team, and Urban Meyer, in his book, talked about how Costa was, like, a huge, like, social leader on the team, um, you know, in terms of, like, he would always put in 110%, and he loved having him on the team because he was always pushing the guys around him and stuff. Um, but he was always kind of like a shy, quiet guy. So he was really that kind of, like, lead-by-example kind of leader. Um, but he was just a walk on. And I guess the week before the Michigan game, he just like never showed up to practice or anything. And at the Michigan game, they were putting things up on like the big screen and stuff saying, hey, like one of our players is missing. If anyone's heard anything about him, let us know. And the day after the Michigan game, 
they got a Urban Meyer got a call and had to go in and tell the team that they had found his body in a dumpster downtown. How do I not know this story? It's crazy because this, so the, this whole story, like it, even if you're not an Ohio State fan, I would say read Above the Line by Urban Meyer. You don't have to like Urban Meyer after all the controversy. You don't have to be an Ohio State fan. And you might get a little bit annoyed because, you know, it's all about Ohio State's season. But from in terms of like a leadership, you know, you want to learn about leadership and what it takes to kind of build, uh, you know, an entourage like that. Like this book is great. I learned so much from reading it. Okay. But he talks about how in 2013 they were great. Everyone talks about how it was a missed opportunity to win a championship. And then he got called by ESPN to go call the national championship game with Alabama the year before the college football playoff started. Uh And he said on national television, my team's good, but we're not that. So he said he went back to the locker room, went back in the off season and on the next year. And you'll hear, they called it the chase. And he told his guys, we want to beat Alabama. That's our goal. Mm. We want to be better than they were because as good as we were, they were better by a lot. So, this whole thing started and it started them on a whole journey and he like rebuilt the team and rebuilt the players all without firing a single staff member and stuff, which people wanted him to do. So it was this huge journey for Ohio state and for urban Meyer. And then it builds up this season where they start out losing a stupid early game. Cause they're down a quarterback, you know, a great quarterback they think, and they're down to this freshman who they, well, what are we going to have? And then JT Barrett comes out in the Michigan game and he's doing great and he gets injured Mm. and they have to rely on this third string backup. Their team's all beat up. They don't know what they're going to be able to do, but they've had this journey all season long. And then they get hit with this. And then one of your players just died. I believe he committed suicide and it was like, bam. And he said, it was like, you know, the team's moving at full speed in the water and you just cut the engine. And it was like, what do you do now? But they knew they had one week to go prepare for this Wisconsin game, and that's when you see them come out 59 to nothing. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And go from, like, eighth place to they got a spot in the playoff. And, they, oh, they're not supposed to be there. Baylor and TCU are supposed to be there. That's right. All this other stuff people are saying. And then they got their shot at Alabama, and he comes out. So, and obviously you know what happened after that. Oh, but yeah. That Costa thing was like this season was building up, it's building up, it's building up, and all of a sudden, boom, you just drop that on your team and you have to go out and try to go 59 nothing against Wisconsin the next week and get in the playoff. Like, that's that was one of the craziest seasons to watch as an Ohio State fan. Yeah, we got to win a Big Ten championship and a national championship and have a good fought win over Michigan and all of the stuff that everyone knows, you know, with Cardell Jones and JT Barrett and, you know, having a third string quarterback go win a championship and stuff. But it sounds like, like what you've pointed out, not a lot of people know all that other stuff that happened behind the scenes with that team. Oh my God. It was so much fun to watch, not fun to watch the bad stuff, but to watch them overcome that as a fan. I mean, it was so inspiring. That's crazy. I mean, it literally sounds like an episode of like Friday Night Lights. Like it sounds fake. Like that's such a crazy story. That's yeah. I see. I had no idea. I just saw it as like Ohio State lucked into having this incredibly talented backup. And Zeke is like the best running back I've ever seen almost. 
and they're just beating ass, but there was like a whole thing behind it. That's a super cool, actually. Yeah, I mean, even at the beginning of the season, JT Barrett was an unknown. Zeke was known, but they, they didn't know he was going to have a breakout year like that. They thought maybe next year. And same thing with some of their defense as well, maybe next year. You know, is this the year? Darren Lee. Um, Darren Lee. Who is Ty- Tyvis Powell. Some of these guys. Eli Apple. They're looking at all these guys and they're like, well, they're good, but maybe next year. And then they came out and did all that. Yeah, it was so much fun to watch. That's crazy. Hopefully we could have another one of those seasons soon. Yeah, hopefully not when USC's in the Big Ten, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> I do look forward to some of the, like, I want to see Ohio State and Oregon and Ohio State, USC, and, you know, probably not Michigan, but maybe even, like, Penn State, Washington. Like, I would love to see some of those for the Big Ten championship. I think it would be really good for the Big Ten as a whole, too. Even people who are saying, well, we don't really want USC to win games. I'm like, I do. I think it'd be fun to watch. No, it totally would. Yeah. With, I mean, I just hope there's really, really good football being played every week. And, uh, oh, and your point about Michigan and, like, not wanting them. All my family are Ohio State fans here, obviously, and alums. (laughs) And they forever they've told me that the Michigan fans are the worst and they're horrible. And I really had I was like, sure, you know, like, of course, you're going to say that you hate them. Yeah. And then this offseason, I've had to interact with a lot of them and uh, they were completely right. But I mean, one of the worst fan bases I've ever had to to interact with. They're so angry and bitter and they act like they're like relevant. It's crazy. I mean, they've like been good for like two years and they're talking like they're Ohio State. Like they're, I literally had someone say, we own you now. And I was like, I'm sorry. Even with those two wins, you're still like, what, five and 20 since 2000, not five and 20. That wouldn't be enough years, but you get my point. Like it's, I forget what it is. 17 and four, I think. Yeah. You don't own shit. If you're you're down that bad. Yeah. Urban Meyer went, they're like, oh, well, look, Ryan Day's only won one game. He's one in three or one in two or whatever it is. What's what's Harbaugh's record? Right. He lost seven straight against Urban Meyer. Yeah. So shut up. Talk about owning you. Michigan, you've had two years. Oh, and by the way, it sounds like you cheated. Cheeseburgers. Getting out all the cheeseburgers. That's just what we know right now. NCAA said that. They have like a scathing review of what they found. And at the end of the season, when his hearing comes about, it sounds like he's probably going to get hit pretty hard with something. I'm I'm not saying he literally cheated, but I mean, he went from getting no one to all of a sudden he started getting top recruits. It's a little suspicious. Well, let's be honest, though. If this were an SEC school, it wouldn't be an issue. Because yeah, you could pay $300,000 to Cam Newton's dad and he'll transfer and everything's fine. You know how USC got hit with sanctions? I mean, I don't even know if like you, I'm sure you don't because why, why would you know the full story? Everyone just says that USC paid Reggie, blah, blah, blah. Reggie Bush got paid money by an outside agent to leave USC after his sophomore year. He was getting paid money to leave really? the school and sign that guy as his agent. And USC got hit with worse sanctions for that. Then Penn State got hit with for the whole Sandusky scandal. Ours were worse. For for I mean, Ohio State got hit harder for two guys getting tattoos. For tattoos, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know the whole story, but I have heard about USC's sanctions and 
I mean, they have... They killed our program. I think part of the reason people don't like it is because a lot of people don't like USC because they have a tradition back in, like, the 50s of not such good recruiting tactics and getting sanctions and in trouble for that stuff. But says, oh, well, you're like Miami. You have a history of this. I don't think USC is quite that bad. And from what I heard, the Reggie thing was BS. Oh, it was complete BS. They wanted... I mean, that's why you see USC get hit and you see Ohio State get hit. And it's like that would never happen in the South because they want the SEC to be up. They prop them up. They allow them to cheat. I mean, we just saw it with Tennessee. They had over 300 violations. And their big punishment is yeah. that they have to vacate wins from the, like their least successful era in the last like 20 yep. years. It's like it's a, yep. USC got a postseason ban. We got a severe scholarship. I think it was like. I forget how many scholarships a year it was, but it was a ton of scholarships. We weren't allowed to play in the postseason. We weren't allowed to be ranked. I mean, it was... Ohio State's coach and star players yeah. left the team, and they still got a two-season postseason ban. Yeah. How does that make any sense? The The players and coach aren't even there anymore. Because they're not in the which, SEC? first of all, you ran the coach out of town. So you point that out, and I want to bring up something, which was in 2020. Uh, so the Big Ten had a bunch of rules about what you had to do in order to be eligible to play a game, and Michigan maybe used it to their advantage to not have to lose to Ohio State. I that remember year. that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so here's the crazy part is Ohio State said, when we go to the playoffs, whatever the Big Ten rules are, we're going to stick by that because there was this big controversy over – what do you do? Like, does the college football playoff come out with a set of rules regarding COVID and whatever? And they did. But Ohio State decided to, like, stick to the rules they've been playing all year, which is basically you get sick, you're out for 14 days, no matter what. And in order to get around the college football playoffs rules, so Ohio State goes out, has that awesome win against Clemson, where uh, Justin Fields took the, the – uh, Skalski hit him in the ribs and oh, yeah. probably broke his ribs yeah. and all that. So they come out against Alabama the next week. I didn't know this. Someone pointed it out to me. Alabama apparently had no one sitting out. Of course. Ohio State had over 10 starters who either couldn't play or were limited because of COVID. Of course. Different rules, man. Different rules. And then it comes out after the game, the SEC basically was playing by an entirely set of rules, entirely different set of rules, sorry, because they, when it came to the postseason, decided to just not test their players. Because, well, you don't have to sit out if we don't know if you have COVID. I'm not how surprised. Is that, how is that not a violation? Because it's the SEC, It's ridiculous. Man. They get to do whatever right. they want, literally, whatever they want. I think that's why we talked about culture with realignment and you have like some of the teams out West and Virginia and UNC, they fit better with the big 10, not just because of academics, but also culture. I think if you asked a team like UNC, where would you rather be a team that does things like that, who decides not to test their players? Cause well, you won't get in trouble if you don't know, or would you rather be with, Teams that actually have some merit to what they're doing, who will actually listen to the rules and not try to get out of things, I think they would say, well, we fit better with that. And nothing against Clemson or Florida State. Like, they have some great history. But I think culture-wise, they fit in better with 
the Miamis and the Alabamas and the LSUs who try to get out of stuff. Of course. And who cheat openly. And I mean, yeah. I mean, I have a perfect. I wouldn't call it cheating if we were all in the same playing ground, but exactly. You know, I'm going to get behind you and go ahead and just say, yeah, when you're playing at a different rules because you won't just agree to all work by the same rules, it is cheating. Of course. Like, who cares? Honestly, like, who cares if Cam Newton's dad got paid money, right? It's like, do we, like, on a human level, do I really give a shit? No. But if Ohio State had to do that for Terrell Pryor, the, the program would have been shut down. I mean, it almost was over him just trading his signature for a tattoo. Exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's ridiculous. It really is. The SEC really is completely different. And I don't necessarily want to see the Big Ten play down to the SEC standards, but they're probably going to have to in the next few years. We're probably just going to have to say, you know what, the SEC is not going to change their ways. So we play eight game seasons now and we don't really care about all these rules and regulations. Players can get paid. Anyone can do whatever. And it's just a free for all. And there's all types of recruiting unfairness because we don't have regulations. But, hey, that's the way the SEC wanted to do it. It literally is. I mean, that, it's so funny. You see, like, Nick Saban getting mad about NIL now. It's like he's only mad because schools like USC and Ohio State can recruit the same way they've been doing for years. That's the only reason why well, he's mad. better. Why? I got to think that part of the reason, not just because Alabama's, you know, maybe on their way out of the door now, but – Definitely one of the reasons that you see Texas A&M and Georgia beating them in recruiting is because of NIL. Because would you rather play in Atlanta or Tuscaloosa? There's going to be better deals in Atlanta. You're going to go there. Of course. Yeah, there's not even a major city near Tuscaloosa like that. I think the same thing about Notre Dame. Notre Dame's probably kind of screwed now because why would you go there versus USC? USC is going to have better NIL deals. Yeah, we just lost a big recruiting battle to them a few weeks ago. That still stings a little bit. I mean... You're not going to win all of them. Yeah. And it may take some time for this all to turn over and for... Like, I know right now... um, Who is it? Is it Miami? Miami's getting in trouble for NIL stuff. Yeah, because of that huge booster they have. Yeah. Yeah. So... Some of that stuff will have to play its course and people have to figure out what the rules are again. But once they do and they settle into it, only the schools that are in big markets are going to have any type of like Michigan's close enough to Detroit. Columbus isn't small. Obviously, USC and UCLA out there in L.A. and Washington and Seattle and Miami, Florida State, UNC. You may even see like Syracuse or Rutgers pull this off at some point. They're just going to have money that a team like Alabama or Notre Dame just can't keep up because they don't have a big Notre Dame might because, you know, they have nationwide people who will back them. But Alabama for sure is in such a small city. What boosters will they have? It's and certainly not on the same level as like a Phil Knight at, at Oregon. Or USC's countless yeah, no. rich donors, or I right. mean, the whole city of Columbus helps out Ohio State. Yeah, but anyone who was up against NIL when it came out, I was like, "You are ridiculous." Listen to what you're saying. You're saying that someone shouldn't be allowed, an 18 year old adult in America, shouldn't be allowed to go out and make money based on who they are 
or what they're good at. It doesn't make the sense. The school's not paying them. Why can't they just go to some executive somewhere in, yeah, Cincinnati or L.A. or Chicago and say, hey, I'm famous. You want to put me on TV? I know. Literally. Or like if someday some squad out of New York, again, I don't know who would it be, Rutgers, uh, Princeton, Syracuse, I don't know. Some school someday will probably pop up pop up in the new model where it's just basically miniature NFL and someone out of New York will be willing to pay and they're going to outpay anything Alabama or any of these kinds of schools. Clemson probably can't keep up in that either. And Dabo doesn't, doesn't want to either. He's so stuck in the past. He's not evolving currently. I think I'm split on Dabo because all about like the new style and like being one of the players in the locker room and stuff a few years ago. But now it seems like he's getting to be kind of one of the old guys. Yep, I agree with that. I know exactly what you mean. It's weird. I also wonder if part of that is him just sitting and saying, I want to go to Alabama. Of course. But I have to wait till Saban leaves. He wants that job so bad. Oh, yeah. I can't blame him. No, me It's either. better than the Clemson job. Anyway, he went to school there. He's an alumni and stuff. Yeah. I can't blame him. It'd be nice. It's just, I don't know if Nick Saban will ever retire. He might be like Joe Pa. Hopefully not the same sort of ending as Joe Pa, but. Uh, no, hopefully not. <laughs> He'll be better than Joe Pa, though. Can you imagine? What is okay? So I got a question. What do you think about this? Nick Saban at Alabama. How many years does he have left? Mm, I'll go with three. Three. Yeah, I think he's going to push it to a three. I th- I think he's going to overstay his welcome by one and really not go off the rails, but kind of have like an eight and four, nine and three year, and then he'll call it quits. Okay, so I don't disagree with you that he maybe has three years or. You know, I would say anywhere up to like five even. Right. Um, And I think it's actually the opposite. I think he understays by like a year where everyone thinks he's still got potential. Hey, why is he retiring? You could come back and still win next year. And he's like, no, that's it. Like, let's just we won, you know, the SEC. It, it was really hard to get past Georgia, but we did it. We got to playoff and we just weren't there. And I'm just happy leaving my career at what it is. I could kind of see him doing that. No, I could too. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I don't know what to expect from him. Like, I feel like he could retire next year, or I feel like he could retire in five years. Like, I really have no idea where his head's at. Yeah, well, he, he gives no sign. People ask him, and he's like, I don't know. As long as we keep winning, like, that's not an answer. No, he doesn't answer anything. <laughs> I mean, he'll randomly start ranting about stuff whenever he wants to. But, yeah, he doesn't. He, he like, <laughs> won't answer questions, funnily enough. yeah. I don't know. So do you think he's also maybe kind of on the way out a little bit in terms of like his domination is over when it comes to recruiting and probably dominating the SEC as well? Because I think Georgia beats him in both of those right now. Recruiting? I mean, not like a one-on-one with Georgia, but just in general. I think recruiting will be fine, but on the field is where I'm concerned. I mean – You saw Tyler Buckner firsthand last year for Notre Dame when they played Ohio State. And uh, he's not a good quarterback. He does not have it. He is the worst decision maker I've seen in college football in like the last probably five, 10 years. I mean, he doesn't see anything. I think you did a video on this, didn't you? Huh? 
you did a video on this, didn't you? How yeah. he is, I don't know if trash is the right word, but no, he is next to trash. No, he's trash. <laughs> well, I've seen worse. Michigan has had worse quarterbacks. Oh yeah, of course. But I mean, there's like different levels to a trash. He's like top of the dumpster trash. Devin Gardner, like horrible. Don't even know how you started at a power five conference. Like that ridiculous. Didn't he wear but, 98? Yes. Oh my God. Isn't Devin Brown wearing 33 for Ohio State? He would just. What's that? Isn't Devin Brown wearing 33 for Ohio State? Is he? I, I saw a picture of the two quarterbacks and one was wearing 33. Apparently, again, you're more of an Ohio State fan. <laughs> it might be. I don't know. I don't like I that. don't ever know those kinds of things. Like, I constantly would be like, number 17, who was that again? Um, it's like names and faces. Like I'm so bad at that. And then same thing, give me like names and numbers. And I'm like, I can usually remember our quarterback and some of our star players. But then you start talking about the left tackle and I'm like, uh, 68. I, I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's true. It, 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 it took you like two weeks to know my name. So I'm sure. <laughs> That's good for me. Is it? I'm usually at least three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that means I like you. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, man, I don't know. It's going to be a fun season, though. I can tell you that after all this realignment and all this talk about recruiting, I would love to just see some boys get out on the field and throw the ball around. Yeah, well, USC plays in 11 days. We have a week zero game against San Jose State. It's going to be on the Pac-12 net- network, though, so no one's going to see it. So what do you think? Because I've heard a lot of differing opinions about whether or not schools should pay them. Should it just be stuck to, like, NIL stuff? Because obviously there's a lot of different implications, whichever way you lean. No, you're right about that. I mean, as a USC fan, my team benefits from the transfer portal greatly. So I don't really want to get rid of that because if you start paying these players and signing contracts, there's no transfer Mm -hmm. portal. Those guys are locked in to those deals. I mean... And it's free agency. Yeah. I mean, I would assume you would have to sign like a minimum like three-year deal to go to the school maybe you could like negotiate per player i don't know but that does make the most sense though just pay them just give them a share of the revenue three years three years wouldn't at that point you would just get rid of the four-year thing then right it would just it would become a miniature nfl you can play for as long as you want if you don't ever get up moved up the nfl you could play for 10 years in college as long as you're a student, you can play and you'll get paid. Can you imagine some like 30 year old dude? Hey, if you're good, if you're better than all the other college players, but not good enough to make the NFL, why wouldn't you just go to the college minor leagues and go get paid $100,000 a year to play for USC? And they'll take you. Well, there would still be the question of eligibility, which I think what you have five years of eligibility. That's what I'm saying. What if they just get rid of that? Because if you're getting paid and you have to sign three-year contracts and they form like a player's union, they're probably going to try to get rid of a lot of that stuff because they don't, they're not going to want to restrict them. So, hey, you, you can make $100,000, but only for four years. It's weird. See, the, it just opens up a can of worms. Like whatever they're going to do in regards to this, I'm sure they'll screw it up. <laughs> so uh i mean i just think we need to prepare for it to be very turbulent over the next like five years 
I'm looking at the rankings right now. Georgia at number one, okay. I mean, you can't really argue with it. I don't want to say Michigan should be number I one, Michigan but I one. think Michigan yeah. probably has more upside. Yeah. Like Georgia has more unknowns than Michigan right now, especially a quarterback. Um, but hey, between Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State, to me, any three of those in any order in the top three, and I'm not really going to complain. Um, maybe I'm biased because I'm an Ohio State fan, but if we can figure out quarterback, our offense and defense are going to be better than they were last yep. year. And some could argue that we were one play. Now, I'm not even talking about the kick. I'm talking about before we even kicked at midnight, one play away from winning a national championship. So we're going to be better this year. All we have to really do is get through that Notre Dame game and get through the Michigan game, and we're going to be right back there again. So I'm happy with any order those top three teams are in. And then I would put USC in that four spot because you are returning Caleb Williams and you are returning Lincoln Riley. And that was year one. Now year two, I expect only more. And then I'd probably put LSU. I would put Bama all the way back at six or seven. I don't, I don't know enough about Penn State to say somewhere right in there. Penn State's loaded. They are loaded. Their defense is going to be great. Sean Clifford, who was their quarterback for like 20 years, I'm sorry, but he's he's not good. He's he he's just not good. And Drew Drew Aller, I think, is a Aller or Aller. I think it's Aller. But that kid who's going to be their know. quarterback is a stud, like six four, two hundred thirty yeah. pounds, rocket launcher for an arm. He's mobile. Like I think Penn State's going to be really freaking good. I mean, I I don't have them above Ohio State or Michigan, and. And I mean, going back to the Georgia game, let's call it like it like it is. Ohio State outplayed Georgia the entire game. I mean, the Marvin Harrison hit. How do you Dirty. not call that? So no, no. Here's the thing: they did call it, and then they overturned. That's it. right, which makes it even worse. How do you overturn targeting against a player who is laying on the field unconscious right now? You well, you know why. That's all the evidence you need. SEC, man. Cheat off the field, cheat on the field. Just means more. Michigan fans and Miami fans and whoever else can say Ohio State always gets the good calls, but I will just say the fumble against Clemson and the fact that that first down against Michigan in double overtime is considered controversial is BS. I don't know about that. he got it. I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. He got it. I don't know if he got it. But that was close. I'm cool with either call. I don't know, man. I'm cool with either call. Here's here's why I say he got it. Because the only people I've ever heard who who argue that he might not have got it, they always go, look where his body is. There's no way he got across the line. And as a true football fan, I just say to them, you know he doesn't have to, right? And they just stare at me. I'm like... A, a, a string hanging off the end of the laces could just barely touch the line. And it's called a first down. The rule does not say you have to cross. It just says any part of the ball has to touch the plane. So every person I've ever heard who's like, it's controversial because you can kind of tell his body didn't ever, it never crossed the line. And I'm like, well then your argument is null because you don't even know the rules. So to me, when I hear other people and I watch that play, even now, trying to be impartial, 
he got the first down. So the fact that that's considered controversial to me, I'm like, that's that's like a bad call against Ohio State that you would say it's controversial. But then definitely the fumble against Clemson. That one, and yeah. And taking that targeting back against Georgia are ridiculous. The targeting is the most egregious one because that was clear what was happening. That was, that was right. like clear. They were getting rewarded well, for taking Marvin out of that game. I think the fumble is a worse call, but I think the hit on Harrison is a more important one because you are talking about player safety. I mean, the dude was knocked out. <laughs> like, he clearly went for him too. Like, he, he did not have his hands up to go after the ball. No, yeah. He did not. He lowered his head on a defenseless receiver to stop a touchdown. That's the exact – that's what they're trying to take out of the game. Except well, when it's an SEC team in the uh, playoff, then it's encouraged. You you sound like a Big Ten fan now for sure. I mean, I am, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> as weird as that is to say. It'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, USC and Oregon is a Big Ten game as of about 12 months from now. That's so weird to say. Wait until you get to deal with their fans. I'm happy they're not just our problem anymore. Oh, my God. The Oregon fans, we've played them, obviously, a few times over the past, like, 10 years or whatever. Oh, true. Um, I can't say that they're any – they don't seem any worse than other, like, Big Ten fans. Like, they – you talk about culture and fitting in. That, that's I think true. Oregon and Washington, they definitely fit in. They have the culture of, like, kind of a respectful hatred. Like, even between Ohio State and Michigan or Ohio State and Penn State, like – yeah, we hate each other. We want to win. But, like, on the way out of the stadium, you know, like, you're still humans. You still treat each other with some amount of respect and dignity. You don't see that everywhere. But I think in the Big Ten, they have a little bit of – some people say no. I've heard some people say, oh, there's no way. Ohio State fans are dirty. I'm like, I don't think so. I've been around enough games and seen they're very rowdy, but – you know, they're not they're not going to be like picking on anyone or whatever. It, it, they understand it's just a game. And I think from what I've seen out of Oregon fans, they're much the same way. They care a lot about their team, but they're very respectful. Man, they weren't in L.A. Really? When I went well, in 2016. Yes, yeah, that was Sam Darnold's first year starting. Yeah, it was it was bad. But I'll tell you, the one you need to like when uh, we play Notre Dame, like I've I went to the game in South Bend in 2017 and 2021 and we got our ass beat both times and there's such a big respect between our two fan bases like it's all respect but with ucla i mean after the game if they beat you like they're trying to fight like everyone's trying to fight they're extremely hostile violent uh mouthy disrespectful i mean we don't respect them anyway that's just how the rivalry goes like there's no respect there they haven't done anything to warrant it if we're being honest but uh so yeah <laughs> that that'll be interesting when the one uc ucla fan comes out to columbus the one ucla the fan. one angry bruin fan man i don't know it will be interesting, that's for sure. But I'm still excited to see it. I think there'll be good games. I think there's going to be a lot of good football played, and I think it's going to be great for the league going forward. I agree. Don't forget to like this episode, subscribe to Everything Trey for more content, and follow me on social media.